This gathering of the Council of the Wise Developers. First, we'll discuss project management. If there's one thing that developers wish they had, it's more user story dashboards to update daily. Then we'll digest a new array of quotations and try to guess. Are they from tech leaders or cult leaders? Then the head of the council will interview Talia Fayez, organizer of the NYC Coders community. I'm Johnny McCode, speaker of the council. I recommend you commit your code right now, just in case you die from all the impending wisdom. Welcome to this episode of Council of the Wise Developers. Today I have with me the blockchain. Hello. I also have Gil Bates. Let's go. And of course, as always, Morgan. Hello, Morgan. Hello. What we're going to talk about this week is project management. Every developer's favorite thing. Techniques of building structures go back to before the Industrial Revolution. Uh, manufacturing certainly has taken a great deal of tension into how things should best be built and uh, how to organize around a building process. But software isn't exactly like building a bridge, running an assembly line. Uh, the book Mythical Man Month back in the 70s tackled the unpredictability of software creation and how it differs from physical construction and also how teams building software might organize themselves. Since then, many, many, many viewpoints and blog posts have been written about how software should be done. Uh, nonetheless, it seems that most software projects are late, over budget, and low quality. So, as folks who have worked on software projects, the good news is we're going to solve it all right now. So, the question I have for y'all is, when have you seen awful project management? Mm. Frequently in the project. Can you give me an example of particularly awful project management? Mm. I need to be uh, diplomatic with that. Let me think. We can bleep out any names that are spoken. Okay. Let's see. But not swear words. Those are those are staying. Well, I once had somebody tell me to implement a feature for all of the products on a site that I was working on, a site that featured many financial products when really they meant to just implement that feature for one product. So what was the I consequence had to, of that I, I put, miscommunicate? Uh, not only did I put in, I, I guess maybe an unnecessary 20 hours of work or something like that, but then I had to put in an unnecessary, you know, 10 more hours of work to try to reverse what I just did. Um, and uh, then I had to, Go back and just try to uh, what's it called? Uh, try to you know try to undo what I did. Yeah, it was, uh, and the person then later took uh, no responsibility for it. So great project management, awesome. Some of the best I've seen. <laughs> so I have a follow up question. So please jump in if you haven't had this experience, but it seems like in a lot of software places the story underlying the everyday process is that we used to do waterfall and it sucked now we do agile and it's better but i wonder have you guys ever done things in a waterfally way that meaning the product has a defined set of steps to be completed and we expect to complete each step by x date 
Has anyone ever done things waterfall style and it actually was okay and worked? I've never heard. I've never been at a place where we used to do waterfall and now we don't. It's always been a combination of waterfall and non-waterfall. But the history of waterfall is that it was invented as a straw man to prop up against Agile to make Agile look good. So it was never intended to be a real process for working. Interesting. I'd agree with that. It's like, um, it's like, uh, how do you mean? Like, what's a good uh, thing that like, I was recently, I'm not sure if this applies to this uh, podcast or not, but I was recently reading an article about uh, the um, uh, person who killed several people, Kyle Rittenhouse. And they were talking about how they were raising money for his bail. And they were just raising money for this bail by saying that it was connection connected to election fraud. And there was not there was very little connected connection to election fraud. Jesus. Um, uh, you know, it just they're like, oh, yes, this is the bad thing. Uh, so now this is the good thing. So it wasn't like people there's some sort of waterfall champion out there. It's just uh, what we called the thing we didn't like to do. Well, I would I would argue that barely anyone practices true agile. Like at any company that you've probably worked at, you're going to end up with a story and it's like, oh, do we have all of these prerequisites? Do we have designs? Like, do we have requirements set? And after you get those, it's like, okay, we're going to work on the story. Okay, time to pass it on to QA. It's just we don't we don't. <laughs> We don't um, do agile work. We do waterfall work in two two weeks now instead of six months. Hmm. I'd agree with that statement. Two weeks being the common sprint cycle. Right. In quote-unquote right. agile. Boop, 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 boop. Now let's hear from our sponsor, Spam Connect. Spam Connect is the best networking site for professionals. We'll help you build your career and your professional brand. We offer the best in virtual education, unwanted sales solicitations, and for our hashtag girl bosses out there, unwelcomed romantic advances. Spam Connect. It's like spending even more time at the office without compensation. So then my follow-up question is, if, if the defense of Agile seems to always be, well, you're not being Agile enough. The reason you're not seeing the benefit of Agile is because you're not really doing it. Is Agile horseshit? I I was kind of wondering the other day, um, you know, uh, if like like what they're teaching these people. Like I I I work with somebody now who's Agile trained. Like you know, they're an Agile coach. Or something <laughs> like that. Um, and I, I do. Gil Bates, like were you wonder. laughing at the idea of an Agile coach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a, the job I want. I think it's it's yeah it's quite interesting because I I just like wonder if it's just like I don't know are they like just going to like Nevada or I don't know like Oregon or something on like a farm and then like talking and you know doing psychedelics and having an orgy that's like kind of like what I imagine right like it's like this is like some sort of cult like um Heaven's Gate or something like that and uh, we just have no idea because they just take back the parts of it they want that's how like Est and Landmark Foundation work so. I kind of, I, part of me wonders if Agile is something like that. 
I th- Heaven's Gate was the UFO co- cult where they all killed themselves in the end, right? Um, I guess unlike yeah. that cult, if this is a cult, they do come out with certifications, not death at the end. Um, and I'm well, not sure if Heaven's Gate the, had an orgy, we, but have we reached the end of Agile? That's a good point. The orgies and murders are still in the way. I don't know. I want to hear what Morgan has to say about this. Well, I think the problem with Agile is that it's seen as a one-size-fits-all solution, where in theory it was called Agile because you're supposed to adapt to change as you go. I read a piece last year that talked about how Agile was basically a way for the group of people who proposed Agile to codify good communication tactics into a very male-dominated and communicationless field. How historically accurate that is, I don't know, but I thought it was an interesting perspective. And I think the problem with both Agile and Waterfall is their labels and us wanting to categorize them into these simple answers when, for example, there are times where Waterfall does probably make sense, like on a television production, certain things have to happen before other things. You can't have actors performing before the script is completed. That actually does happen quite often. In theory. And on the other hand, we have things that are behaving as waterfall, but we don't recognize or call them waterfall. Like, for example, the idea of this design handoff where there's this imaginary period where designers complete a perfect design and then give it to the engineers and it's ready to build and no communication is required between the two. I'm just want to say, like, I feel like if we're if you're building software where it has like numbers attached to it, like there's no way that you're going to do true agile. Like there's, there's money at stake. You're going By to numbers, to you through. mean dollars or some type of currency yeah. number. Right. 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 Like whoever's in charge of that project is They're going to want to know if it's been tested. They're going to want like designs to sign off on before it gets built because anything that's wasted is time wasted, which is money wasted, which it doesn't make sense. Right. Also on that point, this idea of, and I don't know how tied to original Agile this is, whenever you're blocked on a ticket or have some downtime while you're waiting for something, you pull in the next ticket. It's aspiring to this idea that we're all good at multitasking and context switching, which has been proven time and time again to be not true. So basically for this show of efficiency, forcing your employees to be less efficient. The lean manufacturing model is based on having the minimum amount of work in the system at, at any time. Like you want work to reach completed before new work comes in so you don't get a traffic jam. But that seems to be exactly what Agile is sort of advocating is, oh, we're blocked on this, so start something else. We add more work to the system, which could potentially compound a blocked uh, process funnel even more. I've also seen a lot of lean startups that Basically, the way that they're lean is they work employees until burnout, and it's okay because there's so many uh, potential employees that they just keep on cycling through new employees. Yeah, that's, that's the sales how, um, model, as I understand it. I had a friend who worked in the uh, video game industry, and that was how their mm-hmm. industry worked, is that they always knew that there were enough people coming out of college who wanted to make video games. And so they would just work people till they burned out. That's how uh, Cyberpunk 2027, or whatever, not 2027, whatever that... Game's name was came uh, came back. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are um, death marches, right? Um, yeah. But in the video game industry, yeah. it's there's no consequence to people literally reaching the quote unquote death stage where they can't work anymore because you can just let them quit or fire them and then grab yeah. someone new. And those people are this they're doing the same thing we're doing, you know, they're writing code. You know? And I they're wonder getting how far off. Go ahead, Morgan. I wonder how far off we are from reaching that state because I feel like I hear so many devs talk about starting a farm upstate or opening a brewery or a cafe, quitting their job to become an artist. I once uh, saw on Reddit uh, a noted place where you can get good blockchain tips. Uh, hashtag R, maybe R slash Wall Street Bets. Um, uh, like how Stonks. to get rich as a, as a software developer. And it said like, work a job, make X amount of money over X years, invest in real estate in a uh, upcoming tech city like Austin or something like that. And then you'll be a millionaire in five years or something like that, or 10 years. There was one Google incubated startup that it needed lots of AI people and they were paid so highly that they all basically saved their money. And like after like three or four years, they all just quit because they had so much money they could <laughs> retire. I had a friend who did that too. She worked in the gaming industry, which is how I know about this stuff. And then she got hired by Google and she was like, wait a second, these guys are paying me double what I was getting paid before. So if I could just live on the money that I was making there and just save the rest of it, then I could do this. And then she retired at 31. Amazing. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of it also depends on whether you come from wealth and or have family members or health issues that you need to financially support. Absolutely. Very easy. It's very easy to discount the, uh, what's it called? Um, certainly my own privilege, but it's very easy to discount the general, I, the normativeness of tech, the, especially because it's, uh, in my opinion, so male dominated. So cishet male dominated. There's there's a lot of men. That in idea tech. that people aren't struggling. Well, there's a lot of men in tech, but as to the men who are on the blockchain, nobody can tell. Gender no doesn't exist there. So. I wonder if um, how much of folks who needs visa sponsorship are exploited because they can't switch jobs easily if they get death march. I feel terrible for them. Um, yeah. They have a choice between getting deported, basically. I forget, it's only a few yeah. weeks in some cases if they were to quit voluntarily. So pe folks who are here and have a family are not truly enslaved, but kind of stuck compared to us W-2s who are U.S. citizens. Yes. From what I've read, they do tend to get paid less, and I believe that at least in certain states you're required to report the amounts that you pay employees that are here on a visa so you can look up this information and compare it to your own information and see if there's a discrepancy or not hmm. so i don't know if what it's like now but i know that uh, i had a lot of friends uh, when i went to school who were um, unable to make it uh, due to covid who were immigrants from other countries sometimes even political refugees and um, I, they, they thought they would be able to get their sort of a crappy visa exploitative job here and then get citizenship. 
and uh, they weren't able to because the market collapsed for a year. It's terrible. Crazy. Was there a politician who had something to do with that? I forget. You mean Donald Trump? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Now let's hear from our sponsor, your CTO who recorded an album during the pandemic. Hey, software engineers at some mission-based startup, you just want to get through the workday and keep the legacy systems from crashing. But now you've just received word that your CTO recorded an album during the pandemic, and the company is tracking whether or not you downloaded it yet. It includes soon-to-be hits like, Oh My God, I Married a Douche. Stand the way she chews her food. How do I tell my mom that I don't want her brood? Oh my god, I married a douche. Other hits include, My Cat is My Best Best Friend. I love the way you sleep all day. Your furry face is so cute, it's cray cray. Oh, now my cat, he's my best best friend. You'll pretty much have to listen to it and talk about it during your mid-year review if you're going to receive your stock bonus. What about great project managers? Though? Like when, when have you been working as a dev in a, let's say, agile environment and it's actually been good and it seemed like it made sense? Has that happened? I, I also have examples of this as well. Um, okay. I had a, a PM I absolutely loved. Um, she was uh, very, uh, very sweet, very responsive. Um, she would uh, break down the stories that she gave me into little bite-sized stories. So like each task was just like a small task that I could accomplish. It felt like being like Pac-Man and eating those little pellets. Um, so you would accomplish those small point stories that were broken down from the larger points. Um, and then anytime like a store, a particular thing was like too big or too whatever, I could just uh, message her. I could screen share and show her what I was doing. She would understand and she would resize it or cancel the requirement. Uh, absolute pleasure to work with. Do you think you were more productive because of that? Absolutely. And not only that, but I, I wanted to get things done because um, I liked her and I, I, I wanted to, um, I, I didn't want to make her look bad. I thought like, this person's uh, working as hard as she can to help me. Well, I, I want to help her. Gil Bates, you hate working. So is Agile a problem for you because it pushes you to get, be more productive? Honestly, the best product managers or project managers are ones that um, try to get their developers to work as less as possible. So they'll deal with all the the BS of like management or requirements and developers can sit down and write their code Kanban style. <laughs> that's That's agile at its purest form, in my opinion. That's how it should work. Kanban style, just throwing cards. Throwing cards, picking it up, put it down, 
work on tech debt, work on whatever, like everything's prioritized. Like you want to work, you don't want to work, it's fine. And the, the PM figures out the rest and sometimes whips you into shape to meet some deadlines, but that's about it. So some developers think they don't need product managers. I would say they're wrong. I'd agree. Meaning you both think product managers should exist. I think uh, I don't want to talk to the marketing people, you know? Yeah. Let them do it. Exactly. Mm. In my, in my answer, product manager, product managers are the people who can enable developers to have their best life because they deal with everything else. Okay. So in this case, I'm kind of thinking the, the line between product manager and project manager is pretty thin and kind of illusory kind of thinking of the same thing, right? But um... it's interesting that you bring that up because I've heard a lot of horror stories where a project is assigned and it's set to go and all the work is done. And then at the end, poof, the feature isn't needed anymore. And in my experience, that longer term view tends to be more stable when there is a project manager. And I don't know if that's just a something that happens to to two things that happen to happen together but it doesn't have any kind of causational meaning or if it's because a project manager's responsibilities aren't as confused with ux or design or other areas of product development or something else you're pointing to this this common problem that agile talks about is this sort of the plan for the product outlives its own the need for it like the idea of what we're going to build, we set a date, but then because Agile would say, we're not checking in or iterating, we haven't realized that we finished according to schedule, but we should have been checking all along that this isn't exactly what we needed. So even though we quote unquote hit the mark, we built the wrong product. Yes, I suppose so. And for example, a product manager's job isn't necessarily to do UX research, but if they're in a position where there is no UX research department and they are expected to own the responsibility of all product design decisions and they don't work with the design team or the development team or anyone else to come up with these decisions, then I think it makes those types of situations more likely. Now let's hear from our partner, the Council on TypeScript Adoption. TypeScript is just better than JavaScript. Sure, TypeScript is largely a recycling of object-oriented cargo cults. It enables developer teams to hang themselves with the ropes of inheritance over composition or the absurdity of overly nested, incomprehensible abstractions. And yeah, there's other ways to enforce types across API boundaries like GraphQL or open API specifications, or maybe just using ES6 classes. But TypeScript is just better. And if you don't understand why, then you're too dumb for TypeScript anyway. You know who didn't use TypeScript? The zookeeper who decided to shoot Harambe the gorilla. Alright, we're gonna start with the game. Gil Bates, the blockchain, and Morgan. We're going to play, is it a tech leader or a cult leader? So I'm going to read you each in turn a quote. I'm going to read it twice with the tags, begin quote, end quote before them. And then you're going to guess for me if it's a tech leader or a cult leader. 
The blockchain. Are, are you ready? Being stored. Are these quotes being stored securely somewhere? How do I know that these, that Say, these quotes are secure? On a distributed ledger? No, they're not. Like a talk chain. <laughs> like a talk. Chain. Uh, yes, like a like a talk chain. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't uh, I don't acknowledge jokes about uh, the blockchain anymore because, as you all know, Dogecoin was started as a joke. Now it's deadly serious. No. Okay, the blockchain. Here's your quote. Begin quote. Pain's not bad. It's good. It teaches you things. I understand that. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. Pain's not bad. It's good. It teaches you things. I understand that. End quote. So the question for you, the blockchain is, is that a tech leader speaking or a cult leader? Hmm. Well, given that uh, a lot of pain is caused to the environment by the Bitcoin revolution, but however it is necessary in order to finally uh, break down all barriers between society and create a crypto utopia, I'm going to say that that's a tech leader. You're going to say that's a tech leader. I'm sorry. That's from Charles Manson. Mm. It was a great well, guess, though. Could've Charles been. Manson wasn't alive when blockchain technology was out, so we'll never know what he could have done with Medium. Gil Bates, you're up next. I'm ready. Do you feel ready? I'm still, I was born for live. Begin quote. I believe in one thing, the power of human will, end quote. One more time. Begin quote. I believe in one thing, the power of human will, end quote. What you need to decipher, Gil Bates, is, is that a tech leader or a cult leader? So as an entrepreneur myself, I could tell you that cult leaders, when they say things, they mean something. But tech leaders, we don't mean anything when we speak. Hot air. After all, we're, we're in technology, not, not in English. So this feels like it means nothing. So I'm going to go with tech leader. Ooh, I'm sorry. That's actually Joseph Stalin. He did have a cult of personality yeah. around him. So, Morgan, here's your quote. Begin quote. It's possible. The question is, are you hungry enough and willing to fucking eat shit? Or are you soft? End quote. That quote one more time. Begin quote. It's possible. The question is, are you hungry enough and willing to fucking eat shit? Or are you soft? End quote. So this is the part where the metagame kicks in and Morgan thinks, would it really be three cult leaders in a row? Or is it changed up with an entrepreneur? Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Given my performance in the last episode, I feel wary, but it sounds like something that a tech leader would say to me, especially the profanities. Is that your final answer? I'll go with tech leader. Yes. That's from Gary V. Very well done, Morgan. Gary Vaynerchuk? Yes, yes, that Gary V. Not the other Gary V. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is for uh, New Line. Back to the blockchain. Here's your round two quote. Begin quote. 
Let our just cause give pause to those who would ever dream of ever emulating the shameful shenanigans of these sanctimonious hypocrites. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. Let our just cause give pause to those who would ever dream of ever emulating the shameful shenanigans of these sanctimonious hypocrites. End quote. The blockchain. What's going on there? Is that a tech leader or a cult leader? Hmm. I'm going to say uh, it's, I don't certainly don't think it's a, a blockchain leader because a blockchain leader doesn't really care about the morality of the people that he is dealing with. The masses are just senseless rubes to be used to drive up the price of something so that it can later be taken and sold at a profit. So I don't think he would call anybody sanctimonious. Um, so that said, I'm going to say that that's a cult leader. His Guess is cult leader. Ah. I'm sorry, that was uh, Shervin Pichavar, a uh, former board member of Uber, defending Travis Kalanick uh, from all the accusations right. that were pretty much true. Bummer. Hmm. Gilbert, your round two quote. Begin quote. If you are open-minded and you let the universe come in. You never know where things might go. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. If you are open-minded and let the universe come in, you never know where things might go. End quote. Wow. The question is, I... who is it? Tech leader I... or cult leader? I think I felt something from that uh, one. Just a tingle? Just a tingle. And if things are tingling, that can only mean one thing. It's gotta be it's gotta be a cult leader. I'm sorry, that was Adam Newman, former CEO of WeWork. Mm. I mean, one might argue that he was both a tech leader and a cult leader though, right? He was doing that we live thing where he was trying to get everybody to live together. And then his wife was like trying to have like some sort of like mix of like white voodoo sessions with the people there. There was an article in Vanity Fair about it. White voodoo. You could check it out. I'm not making this stuff up. She was Gwyneth Paltrow's, I mean, was, is Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. Oh, I did know about that. Morgan. Yes. Here is your quote, Morgan. Begin quote, the one who follows the crowd never gets ahead of the crowd, end quote. One more time, begin quote, the one who follows the crowd never gets ahead of the crowd, end quote. That's tough. I could easily see it applying to either a tech leader or a cult leader. I'll give you a hint. This is not a both. This person is definitely in one of the categories, tech leader or cult leader. I'm going to guess tech leader, but I'm not confident because I think you gave a similar quote last episode. Well, in this case, you're dead on. That would be Travis Kalanick, the guy who Shervin Pichavar was defending against the very true allegations. Okay. It's time for the lightning round. Final round. The blockchain. Begin quote. I have done something, and we have done something, that has changed people's lives. I would much rather live a life of purpose than one in which I might have other things 
but not that, end quote. Begin, quote, I have done something, and we have done something, that has changed people's lives. I would much rather live a life of purpose than one in which I might have other things, but not that, end quote. Tech leader or culture. Hmm. I'm going to, well, I've been on a, much like my beloved Bitcoin, I've been on a little bit of a sink lately, but that's okay. That just means that it's a good time to buy. I'm going to say that that is a cult leader. Ah. That's Elizabeth Holmes, former founder and CEO of Theranos. I'm sorry. Theranos, yes. Mm-hmm. Theranos? Theranos? Who knows? I don't know. Gil Bates, Redemption Time. Your last quote. Begin quote. Madness is rare in individuals, but in groups, parties, nations, and ages, it is the rule. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. Madness is rare in individuals, but in groups, parties, nations, and ages, it is the rule. End quote. Tech leader or cult leader? I mean, I know tech leaders are ambitious with nations, but this one seems a little too ambitious. I'm going to double down and... Even for tech, I'm going to double down and say cult leader. I'm sorry, that's from Peter Thiel. Uh, early investor in Facebook, founder of Palantir, and other stuff. Wow. Morgan, only you can save the Republic. This is the final quote in the final round. I mean, I think I'm in the lead, right? I think you are in the lead, yeah. I've been keeping careful score. I think we have, we've all gotten everyone wrong except for you. Mm-hmm. He's killing it. So actually, I guess Morgan's pretty much already won, but let's pretend this is really important. <clears throat> Begin quote, wake up to something important. Otherwise, kill yourself. End quote. <laughs> Begin quote, wake up to something important. Otherwise, kill yourself. End quote. On the one hand, the first part sounds really cult leader-y, but on the other hand, the last part is so harsh that it feels like it should be tech leader. This is the least confident I am, but I'll go with tech leader. I'm sorry. That's uh, uh, someone... I'm pretty sure as a cult leader, Bentino Massaro, he runs the Sedona cult that he got ran out of Arizona and now runs it all online. Uh, I guess he would be considered a tech entrepreneur in a sense that he does, does have a YouTube channel, but he's a fucking cult leader, I'm pretty sure. There's articles about things he said, and he said that people should kill themselves. So, okay, bonus round. I'm going to give one to all of you, okay, to see if you can redeem yourselves. Ready? Last bonus round. <clears throat> Begin quote. Please just kill yourself now. The world would be a better place. End quote. One more time. Begin quote. Please just kill yourself now. The world would be a better place. End quote. Definitely sounds sound, tech leader to me. Sounds like my uh, spiritual father, Elon Musk. <laughs> I want to guess tech leader again. Okay. Anyone else want to defer with that guess? Or are we confident with Tech Leader? If you think about it, it sounds like Tech Leader for sure. That is Linus Torvalds, who is definitely a Tech Leader. Mm -hmm. I remember that story, actually. I believe Mm -hmm. he told that happened, and then 
he had to like uh, publicly apologize and like talk about how he was not good at dealing with human beings. Oh, you think? Yes, I believe that was. Uh, I read about it when I was reading about Linux, which, by the way, Linux very helpful for designing the blockchain. Thank you, Linux. And now for the interview segment, it is at last time by Haskell's compiler. He is revealed. Enoch Wise is our glorious leader of the council, a billionaire transhumanist 10Xer on the spectrum. Every word he speaks is also valid machine code. Full of microdosed MDMA variants is his bloodstream. If he ever stopped working, he might actually perceive himself. I give you Enoch Wise. Hello, welcome to the Council of the Wise Developers. My name is uh, Enoch Wise. I have uh, here with me today Talia Fayaz. Hello, Talia. Hello, Enoch. How are you doing? Thank you for coming to the Council of Wise Developers interview section. I'm doing well. How, how, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are the founder and organizer of NYC Coders. What is, what is NYC Coders? NYC Coders is a community of developers, primarily made up of university grads and bootcamp grads. And basically what we do, my co-organizers and myself, we run data, data structure and algo workshops. We also run different events like hackathons, software engineering panels. And basically what we try to do is run all these events in the hopes that we are helping these grads to get on the path to their first job in tech. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, why did you, you start NYC Coders? So I actually started NYC Coders. Um, WeWork was giving out free space to meetup organizers. And um, oh. so I started a meetup so that we can, uh, some of my bootcamp uh, court members can get some space to study basically. And because we were studying out of coffee shops at first. And so starting a meetup basically meant that we can have really swanky WeWork spaces to work out of. So it basically started as a study group. And now actually just last week, we hit 3,000 members. So it's grown quite a bit since then. Wow. You could sell a significant amount of their personal data to data brokers now that you have 3,000 members. Personal what? Their personal data. All the metadata about where they browse, what they do on the platform, everything. <laughs> Full disclosure, we do not sell any data at all, we swear. Oh. Okay. Sorry, Enoch. I'm not judging you. <clears throat> who, uh, who needs NYC coders? Um, so I would definitely say university grads, um, boot camp grads. Uh, people looking for their first job in tech, uh, people looking for their second job in tech who want to brush up on their comp sci fundamentals. They want to brush up on their algos and data structures so that they can pass interviews. Is, is it hard to, to get a job in technology? Um, I just got my first job in tech, uh, I believe, 
a little over a year ago. So it was definitely a process. It was definitely hard. Lots of rejections. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a very isolated time for a, an engineer to like after boot camp or after university, you kind of lose the, the institution or the community that you were a part of. Um, so while you're looking for a job, um, I definitely think it's hard in that sense, like emotionally and mentally, it's definitely isolating. So that's one part of it that's very hard. Also, the interviews themselves are very, very, very difficult, um, depending on what job you apply to. So yeah, all around hard. Um, hopefully, NYC Coders is making it a little bit easier by providing community and resources. Hmm. What, what percentage of your members would you say started coding when they were uh, six months old? <laughs> I would say 0. 0.0001, maybe that one or two members that I am not aware of. Um, that is just extremely precocious. Well, you're just thinking, and, and like, maybe you knock, I don't know. <laughs> I, I did as it, as it happened, but I was just thinking it might be easier that. for your members to pass the interviews. If you start having them come in before their first birthday. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, you, you can have that one for free. Thank you. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. How often do you or, or your members write, uh, algorithm solutions in, in Haskell? In Haskell. So right now we're mostly focusing on JavaScript. I know we do have um, some members that um, are more familiar with Python and maybe Java, but um, generally we have a lot of bootcamp grads and uh, they're coming from like web development backgrounds. So we mostly focus on JavaScript and Haskell, I don't know, might just be a hobby of some of theirs. Enoch, I'm not very familiar. I'm sorry. You say browsers still require JavaScript? Oh, yeah, totally. Is NYC coders helping us to to get to a future where fleshy humans are left behind and, and we all live in bliss inside a giant cloud computer? Um. I, I, I hope that at our next hackathon, someone someone develops the means for that. Yes, but well, I'm, right I'm working now. on it too, so it, it's coming. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, we should team up then, um, and you should meet some of our members. I think it, it would be good for us. Should do you, do you think for the job search, perhaps boot boot camp graduates should forget about JavaScript and instead focus on building uh, data pipelines in Haskell? Um, I think you, what's you can great just say yes, it's all right. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> I think Excellent. they should. JavaScript is the worst and uh, Haskell is the best. Do you have some kind of dating app uh, integration, integration with NYC coders? You know, Enoch, we don't currently. Um, I would love to add that functionality when we when we get our first website booted up. Um, definitely, we, we have pair programming sessions, which I feel like is the closest thing, but minus the minus the uh, potential sexual harassment um, issues. Right. <laughs> Every marriage I've had from a pair programming session didn't work out. So 
I don't know if that's uh, a great idea. <laughs> but thank you for the idea. Um, yeah, that one's also free. The, the data you can sell to the data brokers from uh, dating apps is you can know everything about a person. It's very easy to surveil them and sell uh, customized advertising. So if you want to make money, just you should do that. We're hoping not to do that in the future. Um, but I know who to talk to if I do be decide to become like an evil <laughs> dictator of sorts. Thanks, Enoch. You did not start NYC Coders with the intention of gathering and selling people's data? You know, that wasn't the original intent. But now that you're telling me, telling me about all the money I can make from it, you know, that's definitely something to speak to my co-organizers about. All right. I'm just kidding. I'm going That's to awful. have to charge you for that idea. That idea is not free. Yes, you'll get some kickbacks. Thank you. Okay. This is very fascinating. Have you considered, instead of people coming to your meetup, just deploy a, a cloud functions to, uh, to solve the algorithms instead of people? That would be far more efficient than slow, fleshy humans. I mean, during COVID, we did go fully virtual, um, okay. but not so virtual that we employed bots or anything. Um, yeah, we're hoping to do some in-person sessions soon, Enoch. Um, but yeah, no no fleshy eating. Will you bring cloud functions to, to the in-person meetings? Give, give people terminals to interact with the cloud functions? If by cloud functions, you mean like a hybrid model where we have like virtual members um, zooming in and also have in person, we would love to do that. But I have a feeling that's not what you're talking about, Enoch. Hmm. So, Talia, just changing the subject. When you prepare to run a session of NYC coders, uh, what, what kind of prescription micro dosing do you do to prepare? Uh... <laughs> um, but I'm talking about biohacking to to increase your your performance by controlling the chemicals in your bloodstream. Um, so I actually don't drink any coffee. I think that comes as a surprise to many people. Um, huh? I try to. I try. To, <laughs> are you very Are you very shocked? Um, before a meetup, I think to prepare. Uh, sometimes I do some yoga, and other times. I just kind of go in and wing it in a t-shirt and uh, some sweatpants because no one can really see what I'm wearing down there, which is great. Since I understand your, your biohacking regimen is a t-shirt and sweatpants. Okay. Basically. Very comfortable. Talia, why aren't you as rich as I am? Um, I think it's because you've been programming since you were six months old and i definitely started later in the game so i feel like if i'd I like to uh, apologize on behalf of your parents for not uh putting a terminal in front of you before you're I blame 12 my months. mother <laughs> I blame definitely my mother. i'm very angry at my mother that she didn't start me in three months but we've worked it out i think <laughs> they're they're bengali parents and they definitely wanted me to be an engineer earlier but um, unfortunately for them, they let me kind of choose my own path. So I got here late. Um, so it's probably why I'm not as rich as you are, Enoch. Sorry about that. You can, you can have a conversation with my mom later. Oh, your mother is a technology billionaire? Um, is she single? 
Um, my mom is currently happily married for, uh -huh. I believe, over 40 years. So very sorry to burst your bubble there, Enoch. Um, but we'll let her know that. Um, well, just just let me know if, thing, if things get a little rocky. You know, I, I'm very rich. <laughs> I'll let her know. Thank you. And feel free okay. to send me some of that money at any time, you know. Okay. I, I, accept, uh, I accept Venmo. Is NYC coders accepting venture capital uh, at, at this time? Are we accepting venture capital? I mean, we would we would love sponsors for any of our events. Um, we've had sponsors in the some really great sponsors in the past. So whenever we do hold our next hackathon or software engineering panel, um, yeah, we're definitely open to tiered sponsorships. But other than that, um, we're completely volunteer run. Um, and thanks to all our co-organizers, um, volunteers who actually help us run these workshops. Um, we're so far not needing any venture capital, thankfully. Well, we'll talk about the details uh, offline, but you're just going to have to dump all the JavaScript and then we'll do all Haskell and then I'll just give you millions. Oh, you're offering. Okay. I mean, yeah, then in that case, yeah, well, sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. My lawyer will call you right after this. My people, your people got it. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> My lawyer actually cooks me dinner as well. He's very skilled. Okay. I'll need that referral whenever you have it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as an organizer of a meetup group for or developers looking for a job, did you have any general advice you, you would give to developers who want to get hired other than, of course, learning Haskell? Um. Other than learning Haskell, I would say um, definitely join uh, not just our meetup, NYC Coders, but also other meetups in general. I think networking is a big part of getting a job. Um, referrals are sometimes the easiest ways for companies um, to feel comfortable hiring. Um, also, there's tons of hackathons. Um, make sure you're constantly building projects. Um, try to seek mentors in the industry. Reach out. Um, on LinkedIn to senior software engineers or uh, engineers that have been in the industry for longer and try to grab them for a coffee chat. Um, since things seem to be lifting a little bit, definitely try to get out there and network, but also, you know, sit down, do your algos, learn your data structures um, and build portfolio projects to talk about in interviews. Also learn Haskell. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you for bringing that home. <laughs> Uh, no, I've heard on the street that everyone who's really good at JavaScript, I mean, I would never touch the language, but everyone who's really JavaScript actually calls it JavaScript. Is that true? In what country? Um, do they... oh, oh, the, the United States. Oh, um, I would say it is JavaScript, but I'm not. I, I don't want to just assume it's pronunciation. Um, so I'll allow anyone to identify it however they want to. I, I appreciate you being coy, but I know you call it JavaScript when no one's listening. <laughs> um, and I call Haskell Jaskell? Askell? That's not Ooh. funny. That, no, that's not <laughs> funny at all. A little bit funny, Enoch. Come on. I don't like no. Nothing about <laughs> Haskell makes me laugh. <laughs> oh man, I gotta like read the docs on Haskell after this. 
I may have contributed a large percentage of the docks. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> okay, I will. I will check out the GitHub. Why, Talia? Why didn't Andrew Yang win the mayor race? Oh man. Billionaires uh... like me were very excited that he he would help to bring about a techno utopia. Not so much. What happened? Um, I do not actually know why. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit. That's what someone who knows would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I would rather your opinion on that, Enoch. I don't personally have any opinions on it myself. Well, it's a little early for me to speculate, but I do know that that campaign website was not written in Haskell, so <laughs> you read between the lines. Oh, man. You and Haskell. Okay. Uh, was it written in JavaScript? Or JavaScript? I think you know <laughs> the answer to that. <laughs> I think it was written in JavaScript. Well, Talia, I feel quite enlightened after my time speaking with you. Do you have anything else you need to say about New York City technology? Um, I think that the tech scene is changing quite a bit with all the new people that are graduating from boot camps. Um, even university grads are joining boot camps after after four years of paying for tuition. And um, I think it would be really cool to uh, continue NYC coders and expand it and continue to kind of create this community for this new wave of developers. So, and thank you so much for having me, Enoch. This has been enlightening for me as well. Um, thank you. Well, of, co of course it has. It's, it's me. <laughs> of course. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for coming. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. The Council of the Wise Developers is a satire podcast focused on technology. Our goal is to first make you laugh, but also to make you question what you already think. That means we may give you cognitive dissonance. Feel free to disparage us on your favorite social meds. If we do give you cognitive dissonance, but you think this turns out to be a negative and not a positive, leave us some feedback on councilofthewise.dev. We intend to carefully consider feedback from our subscribers and may address concerns in future episodes. In this episode, old Johnny McCodes makes reference to the term cargo cult. There is some debate about whether this popularized concept is such a good idea to invoke. Paraphrased from the Wikipedia page on the term cargo cult, more recent work has debated the suitability of the term cargo cult, arguing that it does not refer to an identifiable empirical reality, and that the emphasis on cargo says more about Western ideological bias than it does about the movements concerned. Lamont Lindstrom has argued that the name cargo cult is deeply problematic because of its pejorative connotation of backwardness. Drop us a line on councilofthewise.dev if you think there's more we should consider.